Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hello and welcome to Circling the Bases, proudly presented by Roto World and NBC Sports. I'm DJ Short, and with me here once again is Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. Thanks to those of you joining us on Twitch this afternoon, and for those of you listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, we're recording on Wednesday afternoon, which means it's time for another Waiver Wire Wednesday episode. Lots of prospects coming up right now, which is a lot of fun. Add some juice to the waiver wire right now. We'll get into all that. Scott, how's it going? Going great, man. Yeah, we're uh, almost to the halfway point of the season. And uh, this used to be the prime prospect season when everybody would hold their prospects back. Now we've gotten away from that in the last few years with some rule changes and some teams have different approaches now so we don't have to wait as long but there's always a pipeline of young talent coming in and of course the usual stuff guys are getting hurt closer situations are flipping you know lineups are changing uh, guys are moving up guys are moving down so hopefully we can give your fantasy roster you know the fresh coat of paint it might need yeah Luis Matos with the Giants has been a fun pickup over the past week we'll see how sustainable it is I think speed wise he's going to be really useful uh, I think looking at his uh, roster tag on Yahoo right now, it looks about where it should be. Um, so I could have easily talked about him in this episode, but I think he's scooped up where he should right now. Uh, I used a lot of my fab on uh, on Matos in uh, my NL only labor league over the weekend. Uh, I'm hoping to get some kind of boost because my offense is, is terrible. Uh, we'll see. He looks exciting. He could play center field too. It's a big key. Could keep him on the field amid the initial struggles. Um, but we have a lot more prospect stuff to get into today. So excited to get started. But Scott, you are on the clock this week. That's right. And so you you gave me some names you plan to talk about, and I'm going to grab one from here and uh, and set you loose. So make the case for a pitcher we were high on going into spring training this year, Reed Detmers with the Angels. Let's hear your take. Sure, yeah. Well, Reed Detmers last year was a very playable fantasy pitcher. 3.77 ERA, 1.21 whip. I think he's going to percolate back to that level. He struck out eight guys in his last three starts. He went toe-to-toe with Clayton Kershaw on a really good game Tuesday night. And Detmers is not that far removed from a 12-strikeout game against Minnesota in May. I don't understand why his roster tag is about one-third in Yahoo right now. I'm having trouble finding pitching, and I think Detmer's profiles to somebody who should have an ERA under four. It's Look, it's not under four right now. It's 4.02, and I think the fact that he only has one win in 13 games is maybe pushing some people off the scent. He's a good pitcher. Now, look, we know fewer wins that 
slotted into a starting pitching right now. A lot of it is going into relief. So you take the wins where you can get them, but he's going to give you good ratios. And anybody who has 84 strikeouts and 69 innings with decent control, I, I mean, that, that guy's rosterable to me. I, I think I initially was shocked he was available for the segment. Yeah, uh, not the start that a lot of people thought to his season, but the second half last year, he was so good just in terms of getting the swings and misses that he took a real step forward. So uh, he was a name I was high on going into the spring. I still think there's a chance that he could end up that way. I know the Angels rotation is a little different because of the Otani factor. Um, so cumulative, what you're going to get over the course of the season might be a little bit less with Angels starters just because of Otani's schedule. Um but I do like Detmers going forward as well if he's out there in your league. Uh, before we move on here, just a quick reminder, download the RotoWorld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. So I'm going to start out with my recommendations here, talking about a veteran. Uh, I know we're going to get into some rookies here pretty quickly, but for me, Tommy Pham rostered in just 9% of Yahoo leagues, which is pretty shocking to me, given how good he's been for the better part of the past three weeks. He's hitting 345 with four home runs, seven doubles, one triple, 18 RBIs, three steals, 12 runs scored over his last 17 games, just filling up the box score entirely. He's batted fifth in three straight games. Regular bats between left field and the DH spot. The Mets need his bat right now, which is kind of sad to say that he's that critical to their lineup right now. But he really is, given the struggles the Mets have had, they just can't get out of their, out of their own way recently. Fam had double-digit homers and steals as recently as 2021. So he, he brings that pop and speed to the table. He hits the ball hard. If you go to his baseball Savant page, you'll see some nice red in there. So given the situation... As long as he's hitting like he's hitting, he's going to be in there every day, right in the middle of the lineup. Alonzo's back. Uh, Lindor's there, even though he's, he's struggled a bit. But chance to drive in some runs in a lineup which should be better than it has been until this point. I don't see any reason why he's at 9%. Yeah, I get it. I mean, he played really well when injuries forced him into the lineup, and now the, the lineup is healthier, but he's been too good to displace. Uh, OPS plus of 125. He's slugging 490, as you mentioned the power and speed combination. And, and, I, and I'm going to fold the, the FAM recommendation into the next player I, I recommend, a kind of a guy I know. You know FAM, you know, mid-30s, just somebody's producing, just go with it. And I'm just going to go with it with Julio Tehran. I actually picked him up a week or two ago in a couple of leagues. And look, I get it. He's been basically out of baseball for a couple of years. He just had that one appearance with Detroit in 2021. He had a couple of starts with the Angels in 2020. It looked like his career was over. Five starts. The last four have been quality starts. All of them have been good. And look, he's going to be a guy that the luck metrics are going to flash because the 1.78 ERA, it's not sustainable for anybody, certainly not for somebody like Julio Tehran who pitches as much contact as he does. But his FIP is still in the mid-threes. He's got four walks against 20 strikeouts. That that ratio is always going to play, even if it's not the strikeout rate we want. He, he's so excellent with the control. Yeah, eventually the BABIP's going to normalize, but and until he has two bad starts in a row, he's I've had trouble finding pitching. Again, I was so glad that I could see Detmers available in some of my leagues. I moved quickly on them. I added Tehran already in some leagues, 15-teamers, where I'm struggling to find anything playable. Until yeah. he does me wrong, Julio Tehran's in my lineup, man. Yeah, and at this point, I've found that I'm looking 
very critically at matchups because I think we're at the time of the year where you could start to see the weak, the weak links offensively uh, as far as teams. So I, target those teams, you know, t- target the A's, you know, like get the, I mean, the Pirates have struggled recently. I mean, look for the matchups where you can try to take advantage uh, so even if you maybe you don't have like the reliable back end type of fantasy starters, those moves around the margins can make a big difference. Uh, for and sure. to Ron tied to the NL Central, we know the divisional play isn't as big of a bite of the apple as it used to be. Yeah, but we've yeah, been talking yeah. all year about how you know nobody wants to win the NL Central. The AL Central is a weak team, yeah. uh, weak group of teams offensively. It's just living in Detroit, man. It is hard. I'm, I'm pl- making plans to go Detroit, to a baseball man. game with a friend of mine. And we, the whole key is to try to find a good opposing team because there's like almost nothing on the Tigers you want to watch. I, I say that very sadly. Um, yeah, maybe Spencer Torkelson will turn it on at some point. You know, Zach McKinstry had like two or three weeks of, of real fun value, and then he's yeah. kind of cratered since then. But you're right. Yeah, match him. Teron's matchup driven for sure. I'm not going to pitch him in Coors Field. I'm not going to pitch him against the better. Well, he goes against the Dodgers. I'll probably skip that one. His next starts against Arizona, so that's dealer's choice to you if you want to skip. That surprising Arizona lineup. What a fun story that is. I understand yeah, yeah. it. But against pretty much anybody in the NL Central, Julio Tehran, I'm using him. So the team with the worst record in the National League is the Nationals at the moment. Yep. Rockies, second worst record, third worst record. Who, who do you think it is off the top of your head? National League, third worst record. So Nationals, Rockies. So who's next? Cardinals. It is the Cardinals. Isn't that amazing? Well, I'm going to recommend two Cardinals today, so uh, they're on okay. the way up. I mean, the thing is, like, their run differential isn't bad. Like, they just – they should be better than they've been. We all know that. I mean, the Mets are the same way. Like, it, with as talented as those teams are, there's no way they should be as bad as they've been. I don't know what it's going to take for the Cardinals. We've talked about this before. Maybe it is a managerial change. We'll see. Well, it's um, interesting. I'm on Fangraphs right now, and the, they're – and you can get different win calculator, you know, percentage to make the playoffs, percentage to win the division. The Brewers are 48% on fan graphs to win that division. Then the, the Cardinals are 14%, the Cubs 16%, the Reds 15%. And then you talk about guys coming up. Ellie De La Cruz, thank God I have him on a couple of teams because I, I would have so much FOMO if I didn't have any De La Cruz. I just, he's like yeah. my favorite guy to watch right now. And then yeah. the Pirates are at 5.1%. So the Cardinals are still – Punters, even though they're eight games out, they're in last place in this division. It's interesting that the the stat the under the hood stats still say that they're like maybe the second or third choice to win this division. I mean, the Reds over the weekend they were plus seven hundred to win the division. They're currently in first place. Just over the course of like two days, now I believe I didn't check it this morning. I checked it yesterday or yesterday. They were plus four fifty. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's changed since then, but. Um, they're starting to pick up some steam there for sure. And they're the kind of team that can make an in-season addition. Like if they, if they trade for a starting pitcher, suddenly that team. They like, badly need, yeah. Or maybe, maybe Nick Lodolo comes back healthy. At least it's not an arm right. injury. I know they're talking about August for him. So yeah. if they can get six weeks of, of good Lodolo, which obviously we didn't see early in the season, but the pipeline of talent. They just, they just keep adding an impact player, it seems like, every two or three weeks. And, and Dale yeah. Cruz looks special. He looks like he could be – a first-round fantasy player, pretty I, honestly, DJ. I, I don't. I don't. It's it's hard to keep your feet on the ground when a, when a prospect comes up and he looks the part that De La Cruz does. Uh, you know, yeah. when he's such a spectacle. He's he identifies himself. 
if I took yeah. you to a baseball game and you knew nothing about baseball, I said, oh, guess who the like the hottest prospect is on the Reds? Just pick the guy out. You would point yeah. to De La Cruz. He looks like that type of player. And then he right. runs like that type of player. He has that kind of power. Yep. I I think next year he could this could be like a Julio Rodriguez season where he has it a great be. second half and then next year maybe he's on magazine covers maybe he's in the first or second round I think that's in the range yeah. of outcomes for him and feel free to flame me if if he hits a you know three for forty seven stretch you're like oh yeah you're talking about Dale Cruz be on the cover of the magazines be in the first or second round that's not going to happen I I think it's in the reasonable range of outcomes for him I I think so as well I think that there are contact issues to be aware of but um, as he gets more experience here you know given the home ballpark and uh, the supporting cast that he's likely to have moving forward um, very exciting times in Cincinnati it's cool to see Joey Votto come back this week and immediately contribute on a team on the rise as as he plays out kind of the back nine of his career it's uh, very cool to see I wish I had noticed that plus 700 because that's it look I'm not saying they're going to win the division, but that's an overlay. And as you mentioned, oh, so sprinkle. Market, go go ahead, do it. The market yeah. is already corrected, though. Uh, even plus 450 looks interesting. What's so special about the Brewers? I just recently did my fantasy power rankings, and I think the only – the Brewers had like two players with OPS pluses over 100, which basically mm-hmm. means you're a better-than-average offensive player. And one of them is Christian Yelich, who's nowhere near his MVP yeah. form anymore. I don't know who Corbin Burns is right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the Brewers are anything special. I don't think any of these teams yeah. are anything special. It's just no, cool no, no. that – it's just cool that the Reds are on the way up and the Pirates yeah. are on the way up. The Cubs yeah. have been competitive. The Cardinals, we're, we're, we've been saying all year we're waiting for the Cardinals Juju to kick in. And again, I'll recommend a couple of Cardinals later. But um, it's a fun division. It's a flawed division. It's a fun division. They're putting the fun in dysfunctional. <laughs> well, speaking of a team that could use a lift, the Guardians. Yes, so my next that. recommendation here is Gavin Williams, their top prospect pitcher. Uh, he's making his MLB debut against the Athletics on Wednesday night, right? So this could backfire for me immediately recommending him on this podcast, but I would not take the first impression too seriously. I do love the matchup from jump. I'd probably start him today in any fantasy league if you have him on your team. Uh, but even if he you know, struggles a bit in his debut, I, I wouldn't look into it too much. I mean, this is one of the best prospect pitchers in the game. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the velocity that Williams has, 2-3-9 ERA with 81 strikeouts in 60 innings between double and triple A uh, this year. Uh, lots of movement on his pitches. Uh, the breaking pitches get high marks as well. Um, I think the control is the one big question mark. Uh, since he was promoted to triple A, 21 walks in 46 innings. So we will see if that will get him into trouble. I, I think he'll have some ups and downs to be sure. But one thing we know about the Guardians, like they are so great at developing starting pitching that I have to trust uh, the way that this will go. Of course, losing Tristan McKenzie again, just after he recently came back, and uh, now it seems like it could be a while. Maybe we're looking at a potential Tommy John surgery down the road. We'll see. I don't want to speculate, but it seems like it's headed in that direction, potentially, unfortunately. So they need someone like Williams to step up. Of course, they need to hit too, but Williams is a guy who could join this rotation, and he's just up in the majors for good. Yeah, and you talked about the schedule. It really lines up nicely. He gets Oakland. What better team to draw than Oakland for his first start? He gets Kansas City, just lost Vinny, Pasquantino. That lineup is like yeah. two or three guys you have to worry about, and that's it. Yeah. Kansas City would be his next start. Chicago Cubs would be his next start. And then he's going to miss the Atlanta series. Again, this is assuming nothing changes, no games are rained out or whatever, assuming Williams pitches well enough to actually stay with the team, which I think he certainly has a good chance to. So, 
getting three good draws off the top and not facing yep. the Braves. That that's a soft landing. We're going to go there. Yep. And as you said, you follow the teams, you backline bet the teams who seem to know what they're doing with pitching in Cleveland. They can't hit right now, but man, it seems like every month they're calling up somebody who's interesting. You know, we've had some fun right. with with uh, with Bybee and, and Logan Allen, and this is a really good rotation. It's it's scary to think how good it would be if they had a healthy Tristan McKenzie. Sadly, they may not have that this right. season, which is such a shame because what a fun pitcher he is. So, we talked about the Cardinals, um, last place in the division, but you know, still some upside here. And when it comes to closers. Owning the gig or getting the last save is so much of the thing. And Jordan Hicks just reeled off three saves in a row. And he's a spectacle, man. Uh, fastball. According to Fangraphs, his average fastball is 100.9 miles an hour, which just sounds ridiculous. <laughs> his whole stat page just looks like made-up stuff. It looks like wiffle yep. ball stuff in the backyard, right? Strikeouts per nine, 14.07. Walks per nine, 6.03. So if you watch this – in fact, I don't think you should watch Jordan Hicks. I think you should pick him up. Okay, I don't think you should watch him, especially if you have like a heart condition or something. It's going to drive you crazy because yeah. he's, he's probably going to walk a couple of guys. He'll strike out a couple of guys. He may hit somebody, but whatever. He's You've seen him have runs before. He has a 14-save season as recently as 2019. He did get eight saves last year. And the Cardinals, and this will tie in, I guess I could batch my, my picks together because Brendan Donovan my other Cardinal pick. They're just going to go with what's working. And, and Brendan Donovan's been working lately. He, he plays five positions at Yahoo. We love that. All the infield spots, also the outfield. And he's become their leadoff hitter over the last month. He's hitting 319 with a 12-walk, 12-strikeout ratio. Anytime that ratio is around one, we're talking about a good hitter. I know not a ton of category juice. Over a full season, he's probably like a 10 or 12 home run guy. He'll steal a sprinkling of bases. But so long as he has – a everyday job, which right now he does, and he's batting at the top of the order. Right now he's batting first. He has a good uh, OBP skill. I mean, he gets on base. He, he does work the count really well. I can't guarantee you Donovan will be playable the full season, but right now Cardinals going to go with what works. And right now Jordan Hicks at the end of games is working. Brandon Donovan at the top of the lineup is working. So I've added both of those guys proactively in recent days. I love that Donovan is just eligible everywhere he's right. like the ultimate plug and play type of guy we liked him coming into the year um so i, I think he, especially getting that volume at the top of the lineup you know that is hugely valuable and with ryan helsley you know on the il with a forearm strain who knows how long he'll be gone uh and he had some blow-ups even before that wasn't looking quite right um hicks i saw him against the mets over the weekend and he looks really good uh i think with his with the, you know, throwing harder than essentially anyone, there are going to be those days where you can't find the plate. Like, that just will happen. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I actually was pretty impressed with what I saw. I know the Cardinals gave him a chance as a starter. Like, that just didn't match with his skill set. Uh, so we'll see what he could do here as, as a closer. I, I definitely think he should be picked up uh, in all leagues. So a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned stashing – Adam Duvall, who got off to an amazing start to the season with the Red Sox, unfortunately broke his wrist, missed about two months. Uh, but he homered yesterday after I had a conversation with him. Uh, so we'll play that interview now, and then we'll hop back on the other side for some more waiver wire recommendations. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Uh, first off, Adam, thanks for making the time to join me here. H- how are you feeling? Of course, you got off to that monster start to the season before the wrist injury, missed eight weeks. How's the wrist feeling? How are you feeling at the plate? Uh, the wrist is feeling good. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's pretty much back to normal, um, which is which is a good thing. So uh, I'm not having too much feedback as far as uh, from game to game uh, with it. So uh, you know that's that's big. Um, obviously, having the confidence that um, you know that's water under the bridge, um, and so that I can move forward, you know, is huge and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I am sort of, I feel like I'm taking steps forward as far as getting my timing and the contact point back to where I want it to be. Um, so, uh, but this game, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a daily grind. It's uh, always a work in process. So, um, you know, but it's great to be back out there with the guys and, um, you know, having fun again. Have you dealt with any hand or wrist issues in the past or is this a, a new thing for you? Well, actually, uh, last year I had surgery on the same wrist. Um, so whenever I, uh, whenever I injured it again this year, it was, uh, pretty scary because I didn't know if it was sort of the same thing or if I re-injured, uh, you know, what I had repaired. So, you know, that was really scary for me at the beginning. And, um, it was probably the best case scenario, a broken, a broken wrist, um, uh, as far as, uh, you know, the other things that could have happened. So, right. Uh, I was pretty fortunate. We often hear people like generalize talking about a wrist issue impacting your power, like in the short term, do you notice anything like that too? Or is, or is it just kind of getting the timing back after missing so much time? Yeah. I, I don't think there's a power issue, um, with it. I think it's, it's as strong as, the other one. Um, so I think it's more so, uh, power is about timing and consistently getting the barrel to the ball, I think. And th- that's, you know, those are mechanical moves. And, and so, um, just getting that, getting that short and sweet swing back, um, yeah. and, uh, finding that contact point, um, then you start driving the baseball. Um, if you're, if you're too far back or too far forward, uh, you're not going to hit too many home runs. So, right. Right. Uh, well, with interleague play, you've had a chance to play in Fenway Park before, but being exclusively a National League guy prior to this year, what has that transition been like for you in a unique ballpark, both offensively, defensively, and also adjusting to a new league in general? Yeah, uh, you know, I'll start with the last one, the new a new league, uh, all new arms, basically. Uh, so, you know, seeing guys for the first time is sometimes a challenge. Um, and so, uh, you know, you rely on scouting reports, video for that. And so that, that, that can be an adjustment in itself. And then, 
defensively, uh, obviously Fenway is very unique. Lots of walls and triangles and angles and, um, you know, so just I think playing, you really got to play a step ahead in your mind as far as, you know, knowing the speed of the runner, knowing who's on first, who's on second. Um, you know, okay, if the ball hits off this wall, where am I going with it? Kind of playing the game in your head ahead of time is is probably more important in Fenway than it is in any other ballpark. So, um, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of uh, kind of mental preparation with that. And then offensively, um, you know, it was one of the reasons uh, that I wanted to play here. Um, obviously, yeah. the green monster out and left, um, I felt like I could – take advantage of that. So, um, you know, I think that was, uh, that was a, a big appeal for me. So. Of course. Uh, I, I think that would be a lot of fun, uh, with yeah. all the rule changes we've seen this season, pitch clock, shift restrictions, bigger bases, pick off throw limits. What has surprised you the most about the flow of the game being in it? Uh, well, uh, you know, I like the pace. I, yeah. I really do. Um, you know, at first the pitch clock was tough, um, just getting used to it and, and coming back off injury, it's, uh, I'm still getting used to it again. So, mm -hmm. um, but the pace of the game is so much better. Um, uh, you know, it seems like we're not out there as long. We're not on our feet as long. Um, and there's more action. So I think they achieved, um, really what they were going after. So, uh, I think it was a good move. Yeah, Sunday night baseball, Red Sox, Yankees. You're you're used to that kind of game being a slog until eleven oh. o'clock or midnight. So it's probably right. good for you guys to get to get to bed early or fly where you need to go for sure. Yeah, I mean those night getaway games are tough in itself, yeah. um, especially when they're four hours long. So uh, yeah. you know those 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 being cut down a little bit definitely helps. Yeah. Well, the big reason you're here today is to talk about uh, insulin affordability the new Tap the Cap campaign. If you want to tell everyone a little bit about your journey with diabetes. Yeah, so uh, in 2012, I was diagnosed with type 1. Um, I was going into my high A season, uh, then with the San Francisco Giants. And, um, you know, it was a tough time for me. Uh, it was kind of a punch in the face. I'd been pretty sick in the off season, um, and... Uh, you know, it was one of those things where I was working out, I was losing weight, I didn't feel great, uh, but I didn't really know what was going on. So kind of just kept pushing through it. And um, then when I got to spring training, eventually found out through some blood work that uh, my blood sugars had been elevated and uh, my A1C was was pretty high. So, uh, you know, that was kind of the start to my journey as a type one diabetic and, um, you know, being over 10 years ago now, I feel like it's important for me to, uh, with the platform that I have to kind of, uh, raise awareness, um, not only for type one diabetes, but for what I'm partnership partnering with, uh, Lily about, which is, uh, increasing, um, the information available for people and the affordability of insulin, um, which can be tough. Um, I've dealt with it personally, um, you know, and so, uh, just, just kind of increasing the awareness there. Um, and you know, we're running a campaign right now on Instagram and Facebook. It's called, uh, hashtag tap the cap. And, um, I think it's important that we kind of get this news out there and kind of spread this, uh, news to, to everyone. Um, and even if you, even if you don't have diabetes, I think it's important to, uh, you know, kind of use this as a tool to, uh, reach those who do and 
um, you know, that's kind of what's on my heart and what's important to me. Yeah. And you being a, you know, professional baseball player, I think that gives hope to people who are diagnosed with that as well. Uh, there's this new $35 out of pocket cap for insulin. So definitely go check it out. Uh, for everyone that uses the hashtag tap the cap, Lily will make a contribution to American Diabetes Association summer camps. So very cool. You can learn more about this whole campaign. Go to lily.com slash insulin. And Adam, thanks so much for joining me here. This was a thrill. Uh, and best of luck this season. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Good stuff there from Adam Duvall. And it was cool to see him homer uh, right after I talked to him yesterday. It was definitely it was definitely all me. Uh, I made that happen. Uh, he'll be right back on track moving forward. He's going to hit 20 homers the rest of the rest of the way. No doubt about that. Well, I think after the work you've done with Adam Duvall, maybe the Mets need to hire you and get their lineup <laughs> sorted out. But, yeah, Adam Duvall, great interview there. And, you know, I, as a Red Sox fan, uh, man, we need him. And he was looked like he was going to have a monster. He got off to such a great push in the beginning of the season. He seems to fit the park really well. And just um, I'm, I'm thrilled to see him back. I, he, he Over a full season, he let the National League at RBIs a couple of years ago. I mean, he's somebody yeah. who can be like a 35-115 guy in a full season. And yep. certainly you, you couldn't ask, other than maybe Coors Field, you couldn't ask for And by the way, Coors Field, have you seen Colorado's lineup? Again, I did the fantasy power rankings. I had Colorado buried in the rankings. They have almost nothing. They have like two guys you can play on offense. We know their pitching is something you can never trust. So what a sad situation with Colorado right now. But the Red Sox, they're probably destined to come in fourth or fifth in a very loaded AL East, but it won't be the fault of the offense and it certainly won't be the fault of Adam Duvall. Welcome back. Yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, with with uh, Chris Sale, with Tanner Hawk, what happened over the weekend yes. with the, the comebacker. So, it, you know, the rotation definitely has some weak spots, but the lineup is is very uh, is very pesky, and I expect them to, uh, you know, they'll hang around here. But you know, it's it's wild card or bust, you know. It's, it's going to have to be the offense. I, I've even been using Connor Wong in some of my two catcher leagues, who's become quasi playable with a OPS plus just a, a eyelash over a hundred. He's got six home runs. Usually bats lower in that lineup. Yashid has been a pretty good addition yep. for them. And we talked about Duval, who's obviously a, a power source and, and fits that offense well. Raphael Devers, who they were able to keep. Uh, it's nice to see them keep a guy after they couldn't keep Bogarts. They couldn't keep Bookie mm-hmm. Betts, which I think everybody is still kind of sad over, but uh, they're going to be at the end of the year. They're going to win like eighty-three games, and they're going to be a really fun eighty-three and seventy-nine team. And there's going to be a lot of eleven, ten, nine, eight keg tappers at Fenway, and so you know we'll certainly take that for fantasy purposes. All right, what you got next, Scott? Uh, I just went two with two Cardinals, so I think it's on to you. Okay, so I'm going to talk Royals here with Samad Taylor. Sure. Uh, was called up over the weekend. Uh, actually, had a walk-off hit uh, in his debut against the Angels. The thing to know about Taylor is the speed. Um, this guy in AAA this year had 34 stolen bases. <laughs> His time in AAA hit 304 with a 409 on base percentage. Uh, was acquired from the Blue Jays in the Whit Merrifield deal last year. And last year he kind of fell off the map, like just didn't play well, uh, dealt with an oblique issue as well. But he's someone who's been on the radar before as a, as a potential dynasty prospect. Now, Taylor is five foot eight. 160 pounds. So when you see him, you're like, we're not going to get a lot of pop here. But he qualifies between second base and the outfield. I think the Royals, given where they are, I mean, they're just a terrible team. 
They need to look to the future and give him as many at-bats as, as they can. Find out what he is. Maybe in the long term he is a utility player, but as long as the at-bats are there for Taylor, and again, he is out there and he's rostering just 3% of Yahoo leagues right now. So he's basically a free lotto ticket to see where this goes. But the speed, I expect it to play. Um, so if you need that on your roster right now, I know speed's a bit easier to find these days, but if you want to compete in that category in your league, uh, he's someone to pick up right now. And sometimes a great place to look for speed is a team that doesn't have a lot of power or a team that maybe is a losing team and they're trying to find something they could sell, right? I mean, look at the, the leaders to stolen bases. You know, Oakland is third. They're obviously yeah. going nowhere. Uh, you know, there have been times where I've looked to the Royals for stolen base sources because I think they just, it's kind of a, you know, you only live once approach to offense. Their, their OBP is below 300 for crying out loud. So I would think Taylor's going to get the green light. They're trying to sell some excitement there. And he certainly, that's a category. The thing with speed is you're going to look at, and this is one of the things you do at this time of year, right? Is you look at your standings and you really audit. I just looked at one of my leagues and I saw, okay, if I get a speed guy, I think it's Tout Wars. If I, if I can gain like eight stolen bases, I gain like five or six points in the standings. Yeah. So yeah. can I get Estuary Ruiz on my team? Can I pick up a guy like Taylor? It, it, won't, it might take just one guy to actually be impactful. And the, and the great thing is if I have a surplus somewhere else, like in Tout Wars, I have a surplus of saves right now, especially if Jordan Hicks is a long-term solution. We don't know if he will be. So maybe I can make a trade that wouldn't even hurt my bullpen to get the speed that I need. So – Audit those standings, and if you have, if you're, you can make trades. It's like when you're a kid, right? I have doubles of this baseball card. You have doubles of this <laughs> baseball card. I trade my surplus for your surplus. Everybody's happy. You can make those fantasy trades pretty easy. You just get to find a win-win, you know, because people don't like to trade stuff they don't have. People like to trade stuff right. they have in abundance. It's really simple. It's simple supply and demand. So I think that pickup makes a lot of sense. So I'm about to go on vacation. I'm, I'm officially off the clock when this podcast ends. And I nice. talked earlier. Well deserved. Thank you. Talked about Adam Duvall. I uh, talked about Fenway Park. And so maybe I was feeling a little bit uh, nostalgic for the Carl Yastrzemski days. I saw the very end of his career. So I'll pick up his grandson in this segment oh, with Mike nice. Yastrzemski. We know the Giants are a platoon-heavy team. But – that's not a kill shot for fantasy if you're on the good side of the platoon. You're on the heavy side of the platoon. And when Mike Yastrzemski faces a right-handed pitcher, 271, 352, 514 slash with seven home runs and 144 at-bats, that plays anywhere. So, yep. okay, some formats, it's not the easiest to, to roster these type of guys. But in daily formats, in DFS formats, he's usually bats fifth when he's in the lineup. I'm not saying he's going to be approved for the shallower leagues. And in the weekly leagues, you, you have to work the schedule. You, you need the Giants to be up against the right-handed heavy week. But, hey, it's a right-handed world. Left-handers are the exception to the rule. So uh, Lamont Wade has been really good to us as a platoon guy there. John Peterson has come back. He's been really useful. Mike Yastrzemski, if you're in a league that is platoon friendly, I think his roster tag should be maybe 15 20% higher. I agree. I mean, the power the power is uh, very valuable. Uh, the Giants are on fire right now, too. Sure one are. of the hottest teams in baseball. Uh, we'll see if they can maintain it, but certainly against right-handed pitching. That, that's never been a question for Yastrzemski. I think he's a worthy pickup, too. I think last week I mentioned Jock Peterson, but um, Yastrzemski does fit in that similar mold as far as uh, producing against right-handed pitching. So staying in the NL West, I'm going to recommend uh, – Dodgers pitching prospect Emmett Sheehan, who recently made his major league debut through six hitless innings, uh, should get at least one more turn. We'll see what happens. The Dodgers 
We'll be getting some starters back from the injured list, but this kind of start in his debut, we know how good Bobby Miller's been too. So we'll, he might, there might be uh, some numbers games eventually, but I think for the short term, you grab Sheehan and see what happens here. He's rostered in 33% of Yahoo leagues at the moment, dominated in the minors, 186 ERA, 88 strikeouts at 53 in the third innings in double A this season. It was reported he was moving up to triple A, and then the Dodgers were like, you know what? You're skipping triple A altogether and joining us here, which for the Dodgers, they don't do that very often. If you've watched them in recent years, they really slow play the pitching prospects. Maybe you'll see a spot start here and there, but they tend to be pretty conservative with these pitching prospects, bringing them up. Uh, a lot of that's injuries that the Dodgers have had this year, but I think the concern with Sheehan is not the ability and the stuff. Um, Change-up's good, fastball, mid-90s, like all the stuff you want to see checks the boxes, but just hasn't thrown a lot of innings yet. So how deep is he going to work into games? How many innings will he ultimately throw this season? This is not a long-term play. I don't think you're going to see Sheehan in the Dodgers rotation in August, but for now, you know, upside-wise, I think he can give you a boost in the next couple of weeks, and that's kind of what you're looking for. Right, yes, definitely a short-term answer, but an exciting player. As you mentioned, the debut was great. The minor league stats jump off the page. And you talk about his workload. I mean, you look at his baseball reference page, his heaviest workload with any team, going back to uh, age 18, was Boston College. He threw seven, yeah. New England flavor to this podcast. He threw 76 and two-thirds innings with the, the Eagles in 2021. So, yeah. he again, he hasn't been a heavy workload here. You would think, not surprising, he got pulled with a no-hitter, which is kind of standard in baseball these days anyway, but certainly with a prize prospect. But when you just see 88 strikeouts in 53 and a third innings, I know it was double A, but whatever. Double promotions aren't that uncommon, even if it's something the Dodgers usually don't do, as you mentioned. Um, she into somebody, and you have to play to your format, right? If you're in a league where you don't have a lot of fab, if you're in a league where you have a limited amount of pickups, maybe you don't make a move with Sheehan. But if you're in a league where you have unlimited pickups or you know some formats, it's going to make more sense than other formats. But I just saw I saw his double A numbers. And said, yeah, I have to have a share of this guy somewhere. Insane. Um, my final recommendation is actually in keeping with the New England formula that we've had so far. Sal Frelick, who also went to Boston College. Uh, he is a top prospect with the Brewers, was basically a consensus top 30 prospect coming into the year, was ranked number 30 by MLB Pipeline. Um, didn't make the Brewers out of spring training, kind of got off to a slow start, suffered a torn ligament in his thumb, which required surgery, but uh, recently returned to action at AAA, and he's been tearing the cover off the ball. Uh, Average exit velocity north of 100. He hit a homer the other day. Two multi-hit games in his first four. Frelick is not going to supply huge power numbers. Like you, you look at his his numbers in the minors: 324 hitter, almost as many walks as he's had strikeouts. So it's just that plus hit tool. Um, very discerning hitter at the plate. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be a 20 plus homer guy. He might be like 10 to 15 homer guy, but. He profiles as a potential leadoff man who can run. He can definitely run. He gives you that speed uh, at the top of the Brewers lineup. And I think given the way things are going in that Brewers outfield right now, uh, it's been kind of an up and down year for Joey Weimer so far. Christian Yelich not going anywhere. But otherwise, there's not a lot to love. Brian Anderson got off to an amazing start this season, but it's been all downhill since the first couple of weeks of the season. I think Frelick's going to be up pretty soon. 
he could show that help and, and uh, effectiveness at the plate. Uh, so I think he's a worthy stash right now, at least in terms of when you look at the landscape of prospects at this point. I don't – I mean, who else is there? <laughs> who else is left to be called up? Uh, I think he's one of the last names we'll see this year could come up uh, and prove to be – very useful in a mixed league. So uh, I'd take a look at Frelick if you have some open roster spots right now. Love it. And I, I love that he went to Boston College because, you know, I, again, I grew up in New England. Uh, two of my closest friends, uh, my, my friend Rod McNeil, I was best man at his wedding, went to BC. My cousin DJ Marasco went to BC. In fact, DJ, I'm going to rattle off uh, my five favorite Boston College athletes of all time. Doug okay. Flutie, uh, Heisman Trophy winner in the 80s, um, just Man, was he fun to watch. David Emma, who was a Hobie Baker Award winner at Boston College, uh, centered the hemline with Steve Hines and Marty McGinnis, won the Hobie, okay. Hobie Baker's the hockey highs. But Dana Barrows, who was an unbelievable force in nature for BC basketball. Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, NFL yep. MVP, did matriculate at BC. And Johnny Godreau, Johnny Hockey, who uh, NHL superstar, was a BC guy and another Hobie Baker Award winner. So a lot of fun at BC. Um, New England, especially if – I don't know if you're a hockey guy at all, but New England, the Boston area is so great for college hockey. And, and BC and BU yep. have this unbelievable rivalry. The Beanpot is fantastic. Yep. I went to Providence, who had some great teams when I was there. Uh, Maine has had some tremendous teams. The best probably college hockey team of all time was the 92-93 Maine team, which had Jim Montgomery, who's the coach of the Bruins now. It had Paul Correa. He won the Hobie Baker as a freshman, had 100 points in like 40 games, which is just absurd. So I grew up when I'm when you're in New England, man, they put the skates on you uh, pretty much when you're born. Yeah, um, I actually wrote a remembrance for the Boston Bruins hockey announcer Fred Cusick, who was like a family member to me because we all love Fred Cusick. We all played street hockey and would talk about Fred Cusick. So it wasn't on the script, and um, I, I don't know if I've lost any of our listeners here, but I, just give me a reason to reminisce about the good times I've had at Boston College uh, down at Chestnut Hill. That's what we do here. It's it's fully encouraged, and I'm I'm looking up uh, Boston College athletes right now, and I'll probably continue doing it after the show. Uh, Jared Dudley was oh, was, love uh, Jared he, Dudley, yeah, great player. Played for Boston College Versatile, as yep. well. Uh, let's see, do they have Boston. any baseball players other than the guys that we talked about today? I'm I'm trying to think if there's anybody. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Uh, AJ Dillon went to Boston College. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, Green Bay running back. All right. Uh, I believe Joe Morgan, Walpole Joe Morgan went to Boston College, uh, who was um, more known Michael, as – Michael King, Yankees pitcher, went to Boston okay, College. Okay, there you go. He's having a nice season. Justin Dunn on the Reds, who was a former Mets uh, draft pick. Didn't turn out the way the Mets had hoped, but uh, that's what I'm seeing so far. Emmett Sheehan, who we talked about. Yeah, Luke, Luke Keekley, the, the great linebacker, um, yeah. probably going so, to the Hall of Fame, was a, was a BC kid. Chris Shaw had some moments of relevance with the Giants a couple of years ago. He's on there, but that not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Zay, they're hoping Zay Flowers, uh, who was a, a high pick in the NFL draft, is going to be an impact receiver. He was a BC right. kid. Right. So we'll see. I mean, a couple of years from now, we could be talking about Frelick and Sheehan being the headliners from the uh, baseball program there at uh, Boston College. Let me, let me ask one more fun question. Okay. So as I said, I went to Providence. And uh, this is one of my favorite trivia questions. It's kind of a trick question. And the question okay. is, who was the Big East? Who was named Big East Athlete of the Decade for the 1980s? And when I ask this question, people always say, oh, Patrick Ewing, right? Or Chris, uh, Mullen, Chris Mullen or somebody like that. The hook of the question is it wasn't a basketball player. It was a, a baseball player 
and he played for both my favorite team and your favorite team, and he was an MVP award winner one season. Uh, uh, I you might you might want to forget he was on your team. I don't think he had a lot of great moments with the Mets. I yeah. I don't know it. I was going to say like Frank Viola or something because I know he pitched for the. He went to St. John's. Yeah, uh, it wasn't yeah. Viola. It was actually Mo Mo Vaughn, Seton Hall. Okay. All right. No, I got. He played for Seton Hall, right? Yes, he did. That's right. And he was a mon- yeah. I mean, he was a monster. He was just a home run machine. And uh, yeah. probably, I think that 1995 MVP probably belongs to Albert Bell. But <laughs> Vaughn got a lot of. Uh, I know Jerry Callahan wrote a Sports Illustrated story that year about you know, Mo Valuable, and Mo got a lot of credit for. And I actually covered Mo Vaughn a little bit. I was a pseudo Pawtucket Red Sox beat writer for a couple of years. And Mo was very approachable, good guy. He didn't never said anything all that interesting, but you could always talk to him no matter how well he played. He was a, a good guy with the media, which, hey, a lot of guys aren't. So I, I appreciate yeah. that Mo was always cool. I still think Albert Bell was the best player in the American League in 1995. And, I, you know, Albert Bell, Kenny Lofton, I think they have, like, the, the possible Hall of Fame arguments. There, nobody's going to yeah. make it for Bell. I don't think well, Lofton's ever- Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's too bad. I mean, Albert Bell was just kind of a jerk. So that explains a lot. Um, when you think about it, you think about that Cleveland team, right? Bell's not getting in. It looks like Lofton's not getting in for other reasons. Manny Ramirez won't get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That off that lineup they had, Jim Tomey was on that team. Richie so Sexton good. at one point was on that team. Uh, yep. Bayerga, then Roberto yep. Alomar. And so that's, talented. That's one of my favorite. You, you think of like the great teams that you know, people always talk about oh, the Buffalo Bills with the four straight Super Bowls and they never get over the hump. That Cleveland team, is, you, you look at the roster, like they have to win a World Series some year. And for some reason, they never could. But I loved that team. And then, right Charlie, around when they, Charlie Manuel was the hitting coach. He right? was, yeah. And then, you know, people wanted to hire DJ Short, but uh, Charlie Manuel's who they went with. <laughs> and also, remember, that team the that team became relevant right around when Jacobs Field. I don't I forget what they call yeah. it now, but uh, Jacobs Field. Progressive Field now. Right, yeah. Because everybody hated the old stadium, right? So Jacobs Field mm-hmm. was one of those right after Camden Yards were the new wave of, you know, the stadiums that combined the great new yep. architecture with the old school features. Yep. I've, I've still never been to that park, by the way, which is a pretty, I, I rode by it. it. Okay. I rode by it last week. It was right where my hotel was for the FSGA conference. And it's, it's too bad. They were on the road. I would have loved to have gone to a game there, but, uh, no, that that uh, Cleveland team in the '90s was was something else. We're um, still overdue to do a ballpark draft. I don't think we've done oof. that yet. Let's do it. We'll we'll have to we'll have to put that in the hopper at some point. But uh, Scott, uh, enjoy your vacation. Uh, we'll see you back here uh, when you return. Uh, remember to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts, and if you're listening. On Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review. Also, follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Scott is at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Take care, everyone. We will see you next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. 
Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.